Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Hey, I just wanted to give a huge thank you to everybody out there who's been a loyal listener. We go back as far as 2012. We started this as an HR-based podcast and it's really, for lack of a better word, transformed into a podcast about culture, about creating a great workplace, workplace transformation, all that. And really appreciate you for hanging in there all these years. We've had some really awesome guests. And what's so fascinating is over the last few months, our downloads per month have doubled, which I don't know what to attribute that to other than hopefully all of you are continuing to listen and you're also sharing with colleagues and friends and anybody who will get value from this podcast. And then also people are just finding us organically. So just really appreciate the support. We try to make this as educational as possible so that you can take all these ideas back and go transform your workplace for the better. We're all about making positive workplaces here. So thank you for that. So today's episode, I have a returning guest. It's Leo McLeod. He's the author of the book. It's a brand new book, actually, called From the Ground Up. And it's one of those topics where we're discussing what it takes to move from an individual contributor to a leader. And we can never talk about this enough because I don't think as, as you know senior leaders or people leaders, we're preparing our people to make that leap. And we don't even give them the tools or the resources to make that decision because a lot of people don't know what it means to be a leader. There's a huge commitment and some people just aren't ready. They take it because of money or title or whatever the reasons may be. But Leo comes on this podcast and he is storytelling. I mean, he's got some amazing stories of a lot of his clients who have either made the leap from contributor to leader or they they made the leap and decided this ain't for me. And so Leo is a great storyteller. I had a lot of fun with Leo on this podcast. Always a pleasure to talk with him. So I hope you get as much out of this as I did. Make sure to connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. I love connecting with people there. LinkedIn, definitely more professional and, and all that stuff. And then Instagram, it's like my life plus stuff that's on my mind. So it's kind of a mishmash of stuff. Love connecting with people. Feel free to connect with me. I love connecting with listeners. Um, make sure to connect with Leo as well. He's on LinkedIn. Remember, every Tuesday, we've got a new episode for you. And we're starting to do bonus episodes every other Friday. And I usually am talking with internal Zenium HR employees about different topics in HR and leadership. Hope you enjoy that. Let me know what you think about everything. Enjoy today's episode. We'll talk to you next week. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Welcome. Brandon. Yeah, it's been a while, huh? It's been a while, and we were in person last time we yeah, talked. Yeah, so. exactly. That's we're right. We're doing this a little differently this time. We're, we're virtual, but it's still great to see your face. You're in your um, your basement studio, and I'm in my living room, right? I'm in my basement studio. Nice. Yep, absolutely. Nice. Well, you've got a brand new book out. It's called From the Ground Up, Stories and Lessons from Architects and Engineers Who Learn to Be Leaders. And what I found fascinating is in your book, you highlight this pyramid and on the base, it shows do work. Then the next level up is manage people. 
then sell clients and lead the firm. Do you think that's, is that a natural progression for most people in their careers, like their contributor level? And then the only way to go up is then manage people and then, and then so on and so forth. Is that your experience? Well, it is for a bunch of industries that I work with. So clients who have worked with like engineers and architects, a lot of these firms are built on billable hours. You start out at a firm and you make money for the firm by doing the work so they can bill the client. Okay, that's great. Then in order to get more out of you, they'll have you get more out of other people by having (laughs) you manage them. But you still have to do work. You still have to be billable. And then if you really want to be an owner of a firm and call the shots, you have to be kind of responsible for bringing in your own work, bringing in your own clients. So you need to fit in some business development as you're managing people, as you're doing the work, until eventually you're an owner in the firm. But it doesn't stop. You're still having to, at some point, do client work, be billable to some degree, manage people, sell the work, and and then make big organizational decisions like, are we going to renew our lease? And should we hire more people? And how do we become more profitable? And all the kind of fun things that leaders get to think about. So yeah, that's been my experience. I mean, in some organizations, they have sales teams. They have people who go out and get the work. But for architects and engineers, a lot of these are run almost like small businesses. Like everyone's got it in business for themselves, like an attorney would be, right? Attorneys generally don't have a business development person. They're responsible for bringing their own work, taking care of the clients. CPAs are the same way. Oh, right. So it's all, exactly. So it's, it's those professional services firms that are kind of where they have to do it all. That's, that's the, the reason why I wrote the book is because those people, architects and engineers in particular, are really crushed for their time. I mean, they really have to balance a lot. They don't have other people to pick up the slack. They have to figure out a way of doing it all. And as they get up the ladder and move up, they still have to be responsible for all that stuff below. What are the risks for them in moving up? So if they're truly like architect, engineer, contributor level folks, they want to move up in a career progression. And the only way to go up is really yeah, make decisions in the firm, manage people. But there's got to be risks associated with that, that probably bring them a little bit more stress and anxiety. What are those things? Well, yeah. So there's a bunch of them. One is just the crushing workload. It's totally being on. I mean, here's the deal. This is, you know, I was working with an engineering firm and I was telling them about delegation as I was teaching about delegation. And the senior person said, you know what? It dawned on me as you're talking is that when we start out in our career as a doer, we're taught to totally own a task, to be wholly responsible for it, to be responsive to everything, to work independently, not to ask for help, to follow up with the client, to close the ends, to problem solve, all those things, right? So that you think, yeah, that, that's the model. <laughs> the challenge becomes, this is a huge challenge, is that when you move into a position 
of managing other people, that's actually not the best strategy is to just continue to own every aspect of the project. You know, you're, <laughs> that's, I guess, not a good recipe for empowering other people. It's like, yeah, let me show you how to do that. That's not how I would do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take it over. You know, you're not doing it my way. I mean, when you've spent years and years of being uber responsible for the output of what you do, and now you're in a position of having to let go of that, that just feels yucky and it feels irresponsible and it feels like, wow, I, like, I'm not doing the work that I used to do that gave me joy. It doesn't feel responsible for me to give the work to somebody else who is not as good as I am or who don't understand the client needs. It just, it, it's, it goes against every part of their being. And this, this person I was teaching and coaching said, yeah, this is, I get why, the, why it's so hard for me to give up work because it's contrary to my mode of being a super doer, a super responsible kind of person is now you're asking me to delegate and give up and let go and coach other people and be okay with imperfection and good enough. And it's like, yeah, you're right. I am. <laughs> With people that are in this situation of like, I'm, I've been a specialized contributor for my entire career so far. And now I'm being asked to maybe move to the next level or I'm having conversations with maybe the higher ups about, okay, I want to make more money or my career progression. And this is where I got to go. I've got to manage people or got to go sell. What do you give people if they come to you and say, Leo, I'm in this spot of like, I am the doer. I love doing but now I'm going to have to do this other thing too. And I don't know if I can let go. What, what kind of things would you tell people to consider? Yeah, just first of all, start with the simple stuff, right? Start with the stuff that you shouldn't be doing that's actually not very fun, like sitting in really long meetings and doing tedious detail work. You know, a lot of people come to me who want to move up, who are, frankly don't love every part of what they're doing. I mean, they'll say, you know what? They say it this way. I want to get out of the weeds. Like, oh, what do you mean, get out of the weeds? Well, I don't want to do all the production work. I'm tired of doing that. I want to develop my own clients. I want to do more exciting work. I want to expand. So there's a whole bunch of stuff when they're saying that, that they don't want to do. So the easy thing to do, the first thing to do is try to figure out all that stuff that you don't even like doing and that you shouldn't be doing, that someone else should be doing. <laughs> get that, get that, and then be really... And I'll tell you a story about this really quickly. It's because it's in the book. So I was working with a water engineer. He's a civil engineer. And the guy really knew about stormwater. And he was really good at doing the work. And clients loved him for it. But he's, you know, he wanted to spend time with his son while his son was still wanting to spend time with him when he was 12 years old. And this guy was a Boy Scout leader and his son was in the troop. And he didn't want to work these crazy hours. He didn't want to work weekend. He wanted to spend time with his son, spend time with his family. He also wanted to spend time like talking to colleagues about best practices and stormwater technology. And, you know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the guy's in, yeah, the guy's into, he's in a stormwater. Okay. But his mode is to come to work and open up what's called CAD, computer-aided design. So it's a software program. If you think about this and you listen to the story, I'm going to guarantee you, Brandon, there's things you're saying. Yep, there's stuff that I do that I'm like, someone else should be doing this, right? And maybe you're contracting. That's part of, part of your strategy is to contract that work out, figure that out and say, wow, if you're like in a program for an hour or two, you're like, really? Like, 
I don't think I should be doing this. So this is where this guy was stuck is that he was in the mode of staying in the software program and doing the work. And so he trained himself when he got to work, he'd say, okay, how's my day look? What do I need to do? And if he saw any activity on his calendar that involved opening up that program, he said, nope, that's like evil. It's like, the, you know, kind of like, no, I can't go there. And so as, as he would hover his mouse over that icon, he says, no, this is not good. I, I shouldn't be up in that program. I need to stop right here, what I'm doing before I open that program. I need to go talk to Jane or Joe and sit down with them and force myself to teach them how to do this, to delegate the work, because his goal, and I use this analogy of his mountain, what his mountain was to spend more time with his family, to spend more time talking about sexy stormwater issues and not doing the work. <laughs> so stop laughing at him, okay? This I love is it. His I love it. No, he, he, loves, he loves stormwater, I guess. He does. Oh, yeah. No, it is funny. Actually, I'm kidding. Um, and so, so he forced himself not to get into that program. And you know what? It was incremental, but it became a daily ritual. He became one of the best people in a firm of, I don't know, 180 people in terms of delegation. He just said, you know, I'm not going to do this. And he got a ton of stuff off his plate that other people can do that, in fact, other people needed to learn to do so that they could advance. And that's the other thing. It's not just a personal thing. You know, when you're giving work to people who are junior and you're mentoring them, they're growing too. You're growing, they're growing, everybody's growing. You know, it's like the law of managerial economies is if there's a task that someone else can do at a lower rate, like they should be doing it. So uh, anyway, it's, 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 frankly, it's just about the first thing to answer your question is stepping into this thing is just be aware of the really simple stuff that you shouldn't be doing. The other really quick story I have is that I work in an architectural firm where they said, well, we've got some new leaders here. I said, well, how new are they? Well, yesterday they were associate principals and now they're managing principals. Like, really? Like, just in one day, say, yeah, we won't, we, don't, we don't have time to train them. They're throwing them to the deep end. So they're making all these decisions and they were going like nuts. Like they were just like totally stressed out. And I just said, look, let's look at your calendar, you know, to one woman who had a small kid at home and she was really stressed out about not being there for her family. And she was felt like she was letting everybody down. I said, look, let's start here. Let's look at your calendar. Let's look at your meetings. Meetings are like such a great opportunity to just say, I shouldn't be in that meeting or I should chop that meeting in half or I should delegate it. Right. So I use this little acronym in there. You either delegate something, you ignore it, or you shrink it. And meetings are like one of those things you, you say, I shouldn't be in it. I'm going to delegate that to someone else. I shouldn't be in it. I'm going to ignore it. In other words, I'm going to say, I can't do that. I'm not available, or I'll catch you next time. You just don't say yes to everything. And shrink is like, okay, if it's a two-hour meeting, can you make it half an hour? Can you make it 15 minutes? Can you come in at the end? So it's this is all about like negotiating stuff. It's not about just saying my life is awful because I don't have any control. It's about saying, yeah, I, I have a lot of things that I can do to incrementally rob time from my day and doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing and being creative about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. I think what I, I struggle with as a leader even is like, I mean, I'm a working leader. I, I do even tactical level stuff. And what I always struggle with, with the delegation and just even pushing that down, even to, to your point about 
somebody might need to learn that who can elevate their career. But then I'm like, what yes. value am I now? But, but I think what you're hitting on points, it's like now going back to your stormwater friend, he now can oversee many people who are probably doing the tactical work and he can get his eyeballs on it. Like he can mentor them. There's so many benefits to elevating and delegating to a lower level. Gives everybody an opportunity to grow. Yes, it does. But to, just to answer kind of where it, what you were kind of getting at there about what you said about, well, what's, what is my value if I'm just delegating everything? No, it's true. And I've heard that because I mean, there's two things about that. One is really like, I'm not producing anything. I'm just delegating really. Like, is that really the way it should go? So that that's one concern. The other concern is maybe you actually like doing that work. Right. And for a lot of engineers and architects, they like the work. You know, <laughs> I had someone I coached who became a principal in the firm. And I said, what are some of your goals? What are the things you want to be able to accomplish? He says, you know, what would be great is I just want to like design something again. Like even if it's a birdhouse, <laughs> like I, uh, it's been so long since I've done that. So I think that you know, like for you still staying in touch of the work, it's being smart about it. It's saying, okay, am I just being a doer, let's say of 40 hours a week? Am I being a doer like 30 hours of that? It's like, well, no, you need to be switching that, but it doesn't mean you just go down to zero. It could still mean that you'd be, you're down to 10 or 15 doing work. So your hand is in because I do think that keeps you relevant, fresh, engaged. And I think there's some value, but it's just, it's just a balance. That's all. Because to your point, it really is about giving the work to other people, but you're right. There is that, now what do I do? And I do run into that. People are like, they kind of question value. So it's, it's a natural kind of evolution. Yeah. I think there's this natural tendency to think that way early on as a leader is to think, like, okay, what value am I adding or how am I going to spend my time? But I think that's the fun in being a leader too, is like you get to kind of direct the work. Uh, and come up with new ideas, a do, new way of doing things, uh, build relationships and make connections that you otherwise wouldn't have. I think there's just so much. It opens up doors, I guess is how I would probably describe it. One thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, with many people who are moving from that contributor level or specialized person, let's say an architect or an engineer, how do you get them ready to lead? Like you say in the book, charting a course, like what, what does that course look like? probably maybe it's different for every individual but maybe there's a blueprint for getting to that Ooh, next level yeah because rather than to think that there is a template that you need to follow i think it always should always start by designing what i call your mountain personally professionally where do you want to be in three years how much are you working what kind of projects you're working on what are you doing with your free time? Where are you going to be in the firm? What kind of projects you want to be doing? Because what that'll do, if that's your desire, that will inform what you need to then develop as skills. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. So if you're starting out as an architecture engineer, you're probably going to be playing a relatively small role. Naturally, you'll be part of a team and they'll have you do doors or windows, or <laughs> something that's like not particularly challenging. But as you get along, you get more confident and you, you prove yourself, you're going to get involved in larger projects. You'll have a larger role and naturally you'll get into multiple projects. So as things progress, there's like, there's two things you always need to be developing. 
One is your technical skills, which is why we hire engineers and architects to design and build things. But there's also the, all the soft skills, which is really kind of my area, which is uh, the relationships and the time management. It's realizing what does a leader look like that I didn't learn in school. That's, it's a lot of stuff I'm teaching. But, but to get back to what you're asking, how do you prepare someone for that? Once they have an idea of where they want to go and what's important, it's then enlisting the help of people and getting a team under you, getting some mentors, getting some people who can say, well, here's what you need to do if you want to pursue those kind of projects. Or if you want to be this kind of leader in the firm, here's what's expected. Uh, you may want to take a public speaking class. You may want to go talk to so-and-so or start networking with the city of Portland and get know those people because a lot of, work, of our work comes from there. So I think, you know, one, figure out kind of your direction and then two, find out, enlist the support of people who can mentor you in that. And then three, start developing the skills that you need, both technically and social skills in order to put yourself in that position so that you're investing in yourself. Does that make sense? Did that answer your question? Absolutely. It did. And what's interesting about that, I think most people default to like, okay, I need these skills, right? I got to go out and figure out how to lead. So I need emotional intelligence. I need time management. I need all these things. And what's great about that is there's courses upon court. Like you could on the web, you could find stuff on LinkedIn learning and I'm sure there's all sorts of webinars you can go to, right? But the missing piece I think a lot of people forget in all this is the relationships that you need to build along the way. Like you use the word mentor. How many people actually have mentors when they're going through a leadership journey? It just, I don't know if there's a lot of people that develop a mentorship relationship where they have somebody that they can learn from, but like what being a great leader is all about, or even building a network of other leaders who are going along a journey just like them. Do a lot of people have access to people like that? But I think it's important to build relationships, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you don't need to have a formal mentorship relationship. I think a lot of people get a little caught up on that. Oh, I need a mentor with a capital M. And I encourage people to be more opportunistic about things. Like, for instance, if they want to work on stormwater projects, it's like, oh, who's really like knowledgeable in the office and how do you get on that person's team? That's a form of mentorship because if you're around that person and you're on their team, you're going to be putting yourself in a position of learning the skills and getting the experience to do the kind of things that you want to do, right? I'll give you an example. So there are, in a lot of firms, they will pursue market sectors. So they may be like multifamily or schools, right? Or retail. It's not just designing a building or some that are more industrial and more public and more, you know, office buildings. So what speaks to you, for instance, you know, what, what kind of market type do you want to be drawn to? There's actually somebody who I was just thinking, read the book, it's kind of interesting, who was a young woman and she was all about sustainability. Well, she worked for a firm that did school design. She ended up pursuing her passion of sustainability there at the firm. But after a while, I think she realized that she needed to pursue opportunities actually at a sustainability institute. I mean, where that's, that's all they do. But to me, that's an example of somebody 
who clearly had an idea of what she was interested in and passionate about and found out the kind of relationships, found out the skills, found out where she needed to be to put herself in a position that's good for her instead of just letting things happen or thinking that it's somebody else's responsibility. To me, if there's anything that I hope people get out of this book, it's like you are kind of the author of your own life. This isn't like, I'm going to kind of talk about you and your situation about, because I saw you a little bit about your podcast about you doing your side hustle thing, right? It's like, you had to come up with that. That's something that spoke to you. No one said, hey, Brandon, why don't you do this? No one sat down with you and suggested that. That came from your own internal drive. But you had to put the pieces of that together, get some allies on board to be supportive of that. And that's being an author of your own life. And that that's your story. That's not a typical path, but I, I, I'd like people to be more creative in terms of what's possible out there because, you know, there's, there's not just one path. That's all. That's so true. And I think you hit on something that I like to reflect on. There's been so many people along my journey. I, I've got a unique journey. Everybody's got their own career journey and the people along the way that have helped me. Like I couldn't be where I'm at now without the people that have supported me, mentored me, gave me advice, uh, are my cheerleaders. Like there's just a list of people along the way that I, I couldn't do this alone. And I think that's a common theme for most people in their careers is like, there's no way they could get there without the people along the journey. But you're taking that for granted because you learned that maybe that, that was something that you figured out early. There are some people who just, they need to have that written out. They don't understand that. Back to what you were asking before. About the course, charting the course. Right. Yeah. Like chart the course and how do you get there? It's like, don't do it by yourself. You figure out how to build support. Here's an example. Once you get your mountain defined or an idea where you want to go, like go talk to your supervisor and say, hey, you know, I want to share with you kind of where I'd like to go. It's like, people don't do that. They don't sit down and say, I'm interested in these kinds of projects and this is how I want to be doing more of this work. And, and it just kills me because how can that supervisor help you get to where you want to go if they don't know that? And I think it's sort of seen, I'm going to go back to your situation because I think it's really interesting. It took a certain amount of courage for you to kind of just say, hey, you got a minute? I want to talk to you about something. <laughs> You have to kind of put yourself out there. And uh, for some people, they're just not really comfortable doing that. Uh, you know, I try to encourage people to be more advocates for themselves. That's what I'm trying to say. Advocates for themselves, advocates for their own career, because you can really write whatever story you want as long as you're figuring it out. That's what, that's all it is. But you have to kind of know where you want to go. Yeah, and I think it's a it's an issue for a lot of people where they just don't know either what's possible or what they want to do with their life. And a supervisor may go to a person like, where do you want to be in three years? And they have no clue. And so as a supervisor, manager, leader, how are you supposed to help that? I guess give them opportunities to do other stuff, level up their skills. I don't know, but I do think there's a lot of responsibility on the contributor level person who probably wants to elevate their career, but they don't know where to go. They they need to take some responsibility for that too. I, I really like really simple ideas. I taught a group of engineers, I uh, had a webinar I did on delegation. And I talked to one of the owners of a firm 
afterwards, maybe a month after in an event. I said, yeah, so uh, how was that webinar? She says, yeah, it was good. And she said, you know, one of the things that we started doing is I created a spreadsheet and the spreadsheet was just a list of kind of tasks and things that need to be done in the office. (laughs) And all I did is I sent it out to people. They only had a small firm of about 12 people. So this is not a it's not a big organization, but I sent it out to people and it had one column with the tasks and the other column with, is this something you feel like you need to develop as a skill? And then the third column was, do you want to do that? Like, do you want to develop that skills? Now, you're right. I thought that was really interesting because it's a good way of kind of starting this process. You may not know where you want to be in three years, but you can start to make incremental steps of investing in yourself. And the easiest thing to do is to do it on a more of a task basis, right? On a skill like, do you know how to do this? No, I don't know how to do it. Do you want to learn? Yeah, actually, I kind of do. It's like, okay, let's start there. Because their theory was like, there may be things that this person needs to do or you think that they need to do, but they don't really have any interest in doing that. So let's start first with, what people want to learn. And it doesn't mean that they're, you know, you, you may have to say, look, I, I know you don't like doing this, but I need you to do it. But let's also, I kind of use this analogy of making deposits and withdrawals in the book, right? So let's make a deposit with this person by first asking him, how can I support you? Like, what are you interested in learning? So I can keep that in mind. I thought that is so brilliant. It's like, it's not that hard. It's like, it's just a freaking spreadsheet that's Say, you want to learn about that? Hey, uh, come over here. I got this project. You want to learn about it? Let's spend 50 minutes. Why don't you just pull up a chair and I'll show you this. Like, boom. That's what it looks like. That's so fascinating. I actually had this conversation with one of my employees today where I'm like, you know, there's probably some stuff on my plate that I do from a marketing standpoint that I should probably like teach you how to do. Do you want to learn that? She's like, yeah. Do you want to learn that? Right. Do you want to learn? (laughs) She said, yeah. I'm like, why didn't I ever ask that question? I know. I know. Exactly. Exactly. And I just looked at her like, like the sky cracked open. I thought, what a beautiful, elegant solution. Why don't you just actually list all the stuff that you have to do that everyone has to do, not just you. It just has to be done. Part of the deal. Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this part? Yeah, I need to learn how to do that. Awesome. Wow. There's these moments where I'm I'm like, wow, I'm a shitty leader. <laughs> or just like these moments of learning where I'm like, wow, I didn't even think about that. I I should have probably I should have done that. But it's all part of the process, right? It's all part of it. It's part of the fun of it. But it's it's little things like that that just kind of kick your butt and you're kinda like, really? And, and I'm always learning this. I, I try to have a sense of humor about it, but I don't know. I gave a task. I have an assistant do my newsletter because I'm like, eh, I should be doing the production of my newsletter. That's definitely something I should delegate. I should write it, but I should have someone else edit it and I should have someone else producing it out the door. And something came back where it was really like the margins were wonky. And I'm like, I got frustrated because I thought it was really clear in my, my explanation of like, I need to have that change before it goes out. And yet it went out and I just said, you know, I need to pick up the phone, have a conversation because I can't do this through email. Like that's another thing that I continue to learn. It's like, I just need to pick up the phone because maybe I'm not getting something. I just calm myself down. And sure enough, there was another explanation for why it was done that way. It's like, you know, yeah, it went out by mistake. I actually, I'm not sure why I did that. I need to look into that. I'm like, okay, that was not my radar. I didn't even know that. But, you know, when we try to delegate through email and not have a conversation, 
that's always a, like the big thing that I always coach people on is like, get the facts about something. Don't go into a judgmental assumption kind of place. If you want to give feedback to people or you want to coach them, you want to delegate, you need to have a real conversation and find out. It's usually 95% of the time it's some kind of miscommunication. Oh, I didn't know that's what you meant. Oh, that wasn't clear. Oh, I wasn't sure. what. I mean, it's it's one of those kind of things. You know what I'll do sometimes when I delegate, and this has served me pretty well for the most part, is, you know, I'll write an email, but I'll also record um, like a video screen share. Like on, uh, I use a tool called Loom, especially if it's a, something visual, like I'm explaining like, here, use this software and do it this way or whatever. Because clear as day, like I'm pointing my mouse, I'm clicking around and I'm showing them what to do. So I'll include that also in an email. So I might summarize what I'm asking in an email plus the Loom video. And usually it leaves very clear instructions and visuals that otherwise just text in an email wouldn't give you. You know, I I love that because then that's a record, right? They can always go back and access that and you get to reuse that. You get to reuse that for the next person. So I, I love that. It also, where my head goes with that is it's really micro learning, right? You're not really, well, you're teaching, you're just doing in a very task-specific way using a specific technology. But yeah, I love that. I love the way you kind of weaved it into, it's not like you said, we're going to have a formal time where I'm going to sit down and teach you about this thing. It's like, no, I'm just going to... No, the, the tools nowadays with asynchronous communication where you could... I could record this in the middle of the night and send it via email or whatever or have a delayed delivery or something. You know, you don't have to like schedule a meeting because... To your earlier point of like, we have so many meetings on the calendar. How do we reduce that? Well, this is one way as a leader I can save time is I don't need to schedule a 30-minute meeting, fill up 30 minutes. I can record a two-minute instructional video. If you have questions, we can connect. But usually, more often than not, a video explanation will do the trick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So... Just in in closing this conversation, what else about this leadership journey should people know? What advice would you give? What kind of parting thought would you want to give listeners? For me, a lot of it just comes down to being really mindful about every minute, about every interaction, about everything you're doing during the day. It starts there. Because if you could become more conscious of how you're approaching the day, how much time you're spending on your phone, are you answering an email? Are you texting someone you shouldn't be doing at seven o'clock at night? Like, can that wait later? What does that do to your stress level? How is it showing up in your body? How much are you thinking about work? How do you turn it off? How can you be more intentional and clear in delegation? How can you be more making deposits in your relationships and fewer withdrawals. A lot of it has to do with just being of how you're spending your energy. It's not just so much your time, it's your energy. Where is your focus during the day? What are you doing? If people can get their head around that, so a lot of times what happens is that people will just, the day will go by and they don't feel like they have any kind of control over it because things just kind of happen and they're just responding to it. But if they could be more mindful first about like, wow, I really shouldn't be in this meeting. This is a total waste of time. Then the second step is getting out of that meeting. But the first step is realizing this is not the best use of my time. What am I doing right now? And this is the best use of my time. Is it getting me closer or further to my mountain? Three years from now, personally and professionally, where am I going to be? Is what I'm doing right now going to get me closer or further? And I think that's really kind of a, a North Star or a guiding principle. 
Leo, it's been a pleasure having you on Transform Your Workplace. I appreciate you coming on the show. Your book is From the Ground Up, Stories and Lessons from Architects and Engineers Who Learn to Be Leaders. I assume you can buy this on Amazon and all these other places. Where do you want to point people to? Yeah, it's on Pals. Yep. Uh, for the local folks, it's on Pals, it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And I would say that even though it's, yes, they're the stories uh, and lessons of architects and engineers, you know, you've read this and it's universal stuff. It it's is, universal it stuff to anybody. So, I, you know, that was one of the things I thought about. It's like, well, should I make this like more universal? I was like, no, this industry needs it. And it's their stories, and I'm going to go there from a marketing perspective. I'm going to focus on that because if you Google leadership and engineers and architects, there's not that many. But if you do, like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, it's universal stuff. I hope people get stuff out of it. I try to make it practical, and thank you so much. So, yeah, if they want to go from the ground up, they can also go on my website. Uh, it's L-E-O. M-A-C-L-E-O-D.com. Yeah, I've got my book there um, where you can buy it. And then I also have uh, a little area where I've got, I developed these online courses, which are like little mini videos of some of the principles in, in the book. So called Pocket Tools. So anyway, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. Leo, thanks for being part of the show. Thank you. Take care. 